gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back with another podcast. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be talking about week two here in the NFL as we preview both fantasy football as well as the NFL for the upcoming week in football, technically Sunday, because we already started talking about the week on Thursday. That's a good game. We'll talk about that and break that one down next Thursday. But anyways, guys, let's go ahead and take a look at some scores from last week to start things off on Sunday. My Minnesota Vikings beat the Green Bay Packers 23-7. to Good win for the Minnesota Vikings. Honestly, if that one guy in the Packers didn't drop the ball on the first offensive play for them, it could be a completely different ball game. But it wasn't. Aaron Rodgers, 22 for 34, 195, one interception. Aaron Jones uh, and A.J. Dillon had respective uh, carries and rushing yards about the same. And for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, 23 for 32, 277 yards and two passing touchdowns for him. Dalvin Cook, 20 rushes, 90 yards, and a good Vikings win. Justin Jefferson, nine receptions, 184, two touchdowns. The Vikings had control of this. This was Kevin O'Connell's first game, and it was a good start uh, in his Vikings career and really helps lead the Vikings in the right direction as that was his ultimate goal coming in. To, uh, to Minnesota. The Eagles won a tight one on the road against the Lions, 38-35. to Give us some props for the Lions, man. Lions scored 14 points in the fourth quarter, came up just short. Take a look at these stats. Jalen Hurts, 18 carries, 30, or 18 for 32, 233 yards. Miles Sanders, 13 rushes, 96 yards, one touchdown. They finally got him going. That's why I'm a big Miles Sanders, guy fan, or Miles Sanders fan, guys. Jalen Hurts had 17 rushes for 90 yards as well. He also had a rushing touchdown. Gainwell and Scott also had rushing touchdowns. Jalen Hurts did not throw a passing touchdown today, which is very interesting. A.J. Brown, 10 receptions, 155 yards. That's a connection that those two are going to really have uh, moving forward. It's going to be a really good connection to see if you are a uh, Eagles fan. Jared Goff went 21 for 37, two passing touchdowns, one interception, and 215 total yards. DeAndre Swift had a really good game running the football, 15 carries for 144 yards, and then uh, one touchdown as well. Monte Brown. Leading rush receiver, eight receptions, 64 yards, one touchdown. Big takeaway in this one was A, the Lions fight in this one, B, a good, playing against a good team against the Eagles. But also DeAndre Swift and the carries and production he has. Is he going to be a really good fantasy running back this season? The Colts and the Texans tie. The Colts thankfully score 17 points in the fourth quarter to avoid disaster and uh, end, end up tying against the Texans. Jonathan Taylor, 31 carries, 161 yards, one touchdown. What's kind of interesting is Jonathan Taylor had 31 carries and Matt Ryan had 50 passing attempts. So there was a lot of plays ran for the Colts in this one. Matt Ryan, 32 for 50, 352 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Honestly, not really that bad of a day. I think his day guy got a little bit undershadowed. Michael Pittman definitely was his number one receiver, and it looks like he'll be his number one receiver moving forward. Uh, Nine receptions, 121 yards, and one touchdown. Davis Mills had a really good game. My boy Davis Mills, 23 for 37, 240 yards, and two passing touchdowns. Damian Pierce only had 33 uh, yards. Rex Burkhead actually had the most rushes and yards. Very interesting there. Lovey Smith did say that Damian Pierce should be involved more in the passing game. Um, that's an obvious one because he's on my fantasy team. But I think coming into this week with having him being the number one running back, I think a lot of people were expecting that to kind of have Damian Pierce not necessarily go off, but at least have a little bit more production. So we'll see if that happens a little bit moving forward. The Browns beat the Panthers on the road, 26-24. Spoil uh, Breaker Mayfield's uh, return, not necessarily to Cleveland, but against his former team. 
Cade York, his, the rookie, 58-yard game-winning field goal. What a way to start his career. The Browns had an interesting game. Brissett, 18 for 34, 147 and one passing touchdown. Really not that good. That's about a completion percentage of 50. Nick Chubb had a really, really good game, though. 22 rushes, 141. Kareem Hunt, 11 rushes, 46 yards. Donovan Peoples-Jones led the way with six receptions, 60 yards for the Browns. Panthers, uh, they struggled very hard early on in the game and really could never get their footing moving forward. Baker Mayfield had a decent day, uh, 16 for 27, 235, one touchdown, one interception. McCaffrey really was held in this one, 10 rushes, 33 yards, and one touchdown. He also had four receptions for 24 yards. A little disappointing for C-Mac, um, not necessarily as him uh, you know, as a person because he's not the one calling the plays, but a little disappointing that they weren't able to get him going. Obviously, he's that center point of that Panthers offense, and they really don't have success if C-Mac isn't having success. Robbie Anderson, though, had a little bit of a re-coming out party. Five receptions, 102 yards, and one touchdown. The Browns beat the Panthers 26-24 on the road. The Rain Bowl, the 49ers and the Bears. This was an interesting game. Rain was all over the place, very hard to play in. Really hard for Trey Lance to get going. 13 for 28, 164 one interception. He also ran the ball 13 times for 54 yards. Debo Samuel had eight carries for 52 yards and also received two for 14. Elijah Mitchell was injured. He had an MCL sprain. He looks like he's going to miss eight weeks. So if you're a fantasy owner for the 49ers and Debo Samuel, it looks like he'll get a little more production. Justin Fields, I mean, eight for 17, 121, two passing touchdowns, one interception. It was an interesting game. Um, also, what's interesting, David Montgomery which I said just bench, by the way, 17 carries for 26 yards. Khalil Herbert, 9 carries for 45 yards. It, it was just a really sloppy game. And honestly, both teams don't look great. The Bears did get the win at home. Honestly, it was just a really sad game to watch, and I think both teams are going to struggle uh, this year moving forward. The Commanders beat uh, Carson Wentz and the Commanders beat his old coach and Doug Peterson 28-22 to at home. Honestly, this was a pretty good game. Um, Jackson, Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence, you know, put up a good fight. Lawrence, 24 for 42, 275, one touchdown and one interception. James Robinson, it looks like he answered the question on how um, the production between those two is going to hand out moving forward, at least to start. 11 carries for 66 and a touchdown. 18 yet, only four carries and two receptions. Something if you're a commander or a Jacksonville Jaguars fan or an ETN owner fan to be uh, cautious of moving forward. Carson Wentz, interesting day, 27 for 41, 313, four passing touchdowns. He also had two interceptions, though, um, no rushing touchdowns. Antonio Gibson had a good day um, and also had a good day receiving the ball, 7 for 72. He had 58 rushing yards. McLaurin, 258 and one touchdown. Yeah, it was a very interesting day. Uh, Dotson, the rookie in his first game, two receiving touchdowns. The Commanders win at home against the Jags, 28-22. The Dolphins win at home against the Patriots 20-7. And at first, when this game started, especially after the first half, I thought it was going to be more of a Miami blowout. Uh, Mac Jones, 21 for 30, 213, 1-1, passing touchdown and interception. Damian Harris, 48 rushing yards on 9 carries. And Jacoby Myers was the leading receiver with 4 receptions and 55 yards. Tua Tagovailoa and his new weapons that he had on this team. I actually have a lot of fantasy players on this team. Tua went 23 for 33, 1 touchdown and 270 yards. Edmonds, surprisingly, uh, led the team in rushing as far as yards is concerned and carries, uh, 12 for 25. Then receiving Tyree Kill, 894, Jalen Waddell, 461, and a touchdown. 
and uh, Chase Edmonds, four receptions for 40 yards. So I guess the big takeaway from this one is the Dolphins still have a running game. And I know the Patriots up front, you know, defensive-wise is very good, you know, as far as run, uh, run defense is concerned. So I, I wouldn't press the panic button if you're a Dolphins fan just yet, but a really poor showing for them as far as running the football. They need to get that established, otherwise they're going to be screwed moving forward. The Steelers steal one uh, on the road against the Bengals. Trubisky, 21 for 38, 194, and a touchdown. Najee Harris struggled running the football. Pat Fryermuth and Deontay Johnson both had good games receiving, 5 for 75 and 7 for 55, respectively. Flip side, Joe Burrow was struggling out of his ass, 33 for 53, 338, two touchdowns and four interceptions. Mixon had 27 carries for only 82 yards, and that really goes to show how good that Steelers front is. Jamar Chase, 10 receptions, 129, one touchdown. What more were you expecting? The biggest storyline coming out of this one is TJ Watt is set to miss at least six weeks with a torn pectoral muscle, which is going to be very catastrophic for that Steelers defense. The Ravens win one on the road, 24-9. Finally got some points going in the second half. Lamar Jackson, 17 for 30, 213, three passing, and one interception. Really no running game by Kenyon Drake or Lamar Jackson uh, with J.K. Dobbins out. Duvernay, four receptions, 54 yards, two touchdowns. Interesting game. Joe Flacco really didn't have too bad of a game. 37 for 59, 307, one and one. Michael Carter, 10 rushes, 60 yards. Brees Hall, six for 23. Brees Hall and Michael Carter, seven and six receptions for 40 and 38 yards. So, again, kind of a similar situation with the Dolphins. Although the Jets were running the football better than the Dolphins. I really do think that both teams need to establish a good running game. And it also kind of answers the question right now for Etienne and Brees Hall, who's going to be getting those more carries on both teams. And right now, it looks like it's going to be the veterans, which if you're uh, one of those fans is definitely a little bit concerning. So we'll see what happens with them moving forward. The Falcons lose at home to the Saints 27 to 26. Honestly, this was an insane comeback by the Saints. I kind of was hoping that they'd you know come back because you know I like the Saints and they're my division pick for my parlay. Jameis Winston, 23 for 34, 269, two passing touchdowns. The leading rusher was Taysom Hill, four rushes for 81 yards. Kamara only had nine for 39 and only had three receptions for seven yards. Interestingly, um, you know, I really think the receiving side, Michael Thomas came back like he hadn't missed a beat, five for 57 and two touchdowns, and then Jarvis Landry, seven for 114. Uh, for the Falcons, Mariota had a really strong showing, uh, 20 for 33, 215, no passing touchdowns or interceptions. He also carried 12 for 72 and a rushing touchdown. Cordero Patterson, 22 rushes, 120 and a touchdown. He also had three for 16 receiving. Drake London, the rookie, five receptions and 74 yards. This is also an interesting game because Kamara really didn't get the production that people were expecting him to get. And Cordero Patterson did the opposite. People weren't expecting him to have success, and he did. Uh, and so if you're a Saints fan, um, you know, you got to be worried about that. And if you're a Falcons fan, having Cordero as the lead back is definitely huge for them moving forward. The Chiefs uh, destroy the Cardinals on the road, 44-21. to Patrick Mahomes had five touchdowns to go along with 30 for 39 passing and 360 with zero interceptions. Isaiah Pachow, Pachow I guess, is the main running back in, uh, in uh, Kansas City, 12 for 62. Travis Kelsey, 8 for 121 and 1 touchdown. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 3 receptions and 2 of those were touchdowns. On the flip side, for the Cardinals and Kyle Murray, 22 for 34, 193, 2 passing touchdowns. Let's not forget, Trace McSorley, throw it on a dime. Uh, 2 for 4 and 12 yards. Kyler Murray was also the leading rusher 
five for 29. James Conner had a touchdown, but only had 26 rushing yards. Honestly, this is a really sad sight to see if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan because, sure, you're missing D-Hop right now, but the offense is just horrible. The defense is struggling, and it's really sad to see because the Cardinals have a really good team, and they're just not being able to win. I don't know what the uh, the issue is, but they just can't figure out a way to win. And when you can't win in the NFL, bad things typically happen. The Giants pull off a stunner on the road against the Titans when 21-20. Danny Dimes, 17 for 21, 188, two touchdowns, one interception. Saquon Barkley, I mean, good for Saquon to finally come out and have a monstrous game. 18 carries for 164 and one touchdown. Good for him. He also had six receptions for 30 yards. Sterling Shepard picked up a long touchdown uh, for the Giants. And then Tannehill, 20 for 33, 266, two touchdowns. Derrick Henry was really limited by that Giants defense. Only 82 rushing yards on 21 attempts. Um, and I don't think he got any catches, too. So really good defense by the Giants. And, um, you know, it's really interesting to see how the Giants came into town. There's always that week one surprise. Um, and if not, maybe more, you know, one or two week one surprises. But I definitely think everybody was not expecting this one to happen, but it did. Uh, the Chargers beat the Raiders at home 24-19. A very interesting game. The Chargers do get their payback. Derek Carr, 22-37, 295, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. Had a little difficulty there. And Josh Jacobs had 57 rushing yards on 10 carries. Devontae Adams, man, 10 receptions, 141, and one touchdown. If you were questioning the Derek Carr, Devontae Adams question, I think that one can be put to rest very quickly. Justin Herbert, Herbert the pervert, 26 for 34, 279, and three passing touchdowns. Eckler ran the ball 14 times for 36 yards and also received four for 36. Keenan Allen um, in this week one game, obviously saw him on Thursday not play. Um, he did get injured, so we'll see. I think he'll be back for week three, but he was on the way for a Monsters game, four for 66. The Chargers beat the Rams and then lose to the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football to prove to 1-1 one one on the year. And the Sunday night game, what a offensive showcase. The Buccaneers and the Cowboys, 19-3. Tom Brady does it again, wins on the road, 18 for 27, 2-12, 1-1. One one. Fournette, 21 carries, 127 yards. And Mike Evans, 5 receptions, 71 yards, and 1 touchdown. Dak Prescott, besides getting injured at a really tough game, 14 for 29, 134 yards, 1 interception. CeeDee Lamb, 1 for 1, negative 8 yards as well. Zeke did have the leading as carries as well as yards, 10 for 52. And uh, Nick Nick Brown, is that right? Noah Brown, sorry, not Nick Brown. I was looking at somebody else. Five receptions, 68 yards. Very disappointing. If you're a Cowboys fan, you just got to be shooting yourself in the face because not only did you lose 19-3 and had struggles on offense, but now you have Cooper Rush starting and Dak Prescott's out for a period of time. Really unfortunate if you're one of those guys um, and a cowgirl. So, very unfortunate, but we'll see if Cooper Rush is able to bring them some magic moving forward. And then to round things out, the Monday night game, sorry, 17-16, to the Seahawks beat the Broncos. Geno Smith had a really good game. Um, we'll talk about him in a minute. Russell Wilson's return to Seattle actually did really good. 29 for 42, 340, and one passing touchdown. 58 rushing yards for Gordon, 43 for Jamal Williams. Javante Williams, not Jamal Williams. Jerry Judy, 4 for 102 and 1 touchdown. Cortland Sutton, 4 for 72. Geno freaking Smith, 23 for 28, 195, 2 passing touchdowns. Penny only had 60 rushing yards. Lockett um, had two, 3 receptions, 28 yards, and Metcalf, 7 for 36. A good win there by the Seahawks to improve to 1-0. Disappointed if you're a Broncos fan, and that is your Week 1 NFL recap. Let's go ahead and preview Week 2. 
Moving into our NFL portion, I'm going to go over my game of the week, and I have the Buccaneers taking on the Saints. This is a battle of the 1-0s in the uh, NFC South division, and arguably like the Vikings-Packers game last week, I think this game alone can decide the division uh, moving forward. I think a lot of people, at least to start the fantasy and NFL season, really thought that the Buccaneers would be the team to beat in the NFC South division, but I actually have the Saints being the team to beat. Um, and the Saints have played really good football. Obviously, they started off a bit rough in this one um, in their first matchup against um, the Falcons, but were able to come through with the win. And on the flip side, the Buccaneers struggled too. Um, the Buccaneers, you know, really couldn't get the offense going. Their defense looked really good. They couldn't get their offense going. So it's going to be an interesting game. You know, both teams started off uh, slow and have kind of progressed as the, the game went on. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Saints in this one. I think the Saints are just a better team than the Buccaneers right now. Their offense does scare me a bit. Um, you know, they're always one of those teams that, you know, whatever Tom Brady is on, it feels like defense wins championships. But the Saints, I feel like, are just a better team. I think the key for the Saints was to get Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas going in week one. And they were able to do so very effectively. And so having that, you know, established, I think Kamara needs to get a little bit more work. Um, Kamara is a good player alone, but if he's, you know, kind of put into the system, it's one of those things that really, you know, gets the offense going or really kind of separates that offense in general. So we'll see what happens in this one, but I do think that the Saints are going to pull through um, and beat the uh, Buccaneers here. And then my two other games to look out for, the Dolphins taking on the Ravens. This is going to be a good one. Again, both teams, um, the, the Ravens really started slow against the Jets, but were able to get a win and a winner of the win in the NFL. Two in the offense going over to Baltimore. It's going to be testy. It's going to be interesting. How is Tua going to respond after a good game, um, you know, in his first start? Same with Lamar Jackson. Pretty good game for him, too. The big thing in this one is can Lamar Jackson really get going and who's going to have the better running game? Because both teams really struggled running the football, um, and that's kind of one of those things that you need to have established in the NFL, especially if you're a Ravens fan and on the Ravens team. Because the Ravens, you know, typically you see how they run plays and how they're you know, running and all that stuff. They only had 63 rushing yards, and that was 30th in week one. So really got to up that. I believe the Dolphins probably were a little bit worse. I want to see um, where they were ranked. Uh, they actually had more rushing yards. They had 65. They were 28th. But still, um, whoever is going to have a better running game, the defense is going to be there. Tyreek Hill, uh, he's going to get guarded pretty well. Same with Jalen Waddle, I believe. So who can really step up to the plate and be that next best kind of difference maker in this one is definitely going to decide it. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Ravens in this one. I think the Ravens, you know, they did start a little bit slow against the Jets, especially running the football. I think they really get that going against the Miami front that I'm not really big on as far as run defense is concerned. I think the Ravens win this one 24 to 23. And then my second game to watch out for is going to be the um, Titans on the road against the Buffalo Bills. You know, the Titans with that surprising defeat um, in week one against the Giants. The Bills with a dominating win over the Rams. But let's not panic on the Titans just yet. The Titans are a really good team. Um, the big thing in this one is how are the Titans going to respond? You know, losing a game like that is definitely very devastating, especially to open up a season. Everyone gets excited, you know, about playing, and then, you know, they, you lose, and it's one of those things that's like, oh, crap, what do you do next? Um, so we'll see what happens here. I do think um, after the, you know, the, as the game goes on, um, the Titans will really establish the run game. It's hard to run against the Bills' defense, but they need to get that going if they want any chance of success moving forward. I do in this one have um, the Titans, I'm sorry, the Bills beating the Titans uh, in week one. I think the Bills winning that game, you know, probably pretty dominantly. I think, you know, other than Derrick Henry getting going, the Titans overall are going to struggle. And the Bills are just too good right now. The 
Bill's got one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in the league, having one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Josh Allen. It's going to be something to see uh, moving forward, how they're able to do um, and see if they have any type of success. But I do expect Derrick Henry to get going, um, especially early on. And I really do think, again, after a period of time, you'll see uh, the Titans really start to pick it up and move forward with that. My upset of the week is going to be interesting. I'm going to go with the Jaguars beating the Colts. Now, the Colts did look a bit shaky um, on you know playing against the Texans, who honestly put up a good fight, as we saw in week one. The Jaguars put up a good game, too. Um, let's not understate the game that the Jaguars had. They played a good team, uh, especially a good defense. Their offense was definitely something that was a question mark, having new weapons like Christian Kirk um, on that mix, Marvin Jones Jr., and Zay Jones. Overall, if you're a Jaguars fan, you got to be at least optimistic uh, moving into this one. It's another road game for the Colts, and they have typically not done good um, against road opponents, especially in the division. So I expect this one to be a low-scoring affair, but I do think that the Jaguars pull it out against the Colts, and the Colts start 0-1-1. Definitely not how Colts fans were expecting this division to go uh, moving forward. But the big thing is, can Jonathan Taylor get going? Can Matt Ryan continue to play that way that he's been playing? And how will that look moving forward? I do think Trevor Lawrence has a really good game, though, and I do think that you know something maybe moving forward um, that they're able to fix, but we'll see what happens there. And then my lock of the week is going to be the Broncos at home against the Texans. Now, the Texans are going to put up a good fight in this one, but you know Russell Wilson's got to be a little bit heated losing that um, opener against Seattle, against his former team. He wasn't able to get his revenge. You know that's going to be a little bit under his skin and um, something that he wants to look at moving forward. But ultimately, I think, you know, this one's going to be, you know, really come down to quarterback play. How is Davis Mills going to stack up against Russell Wilson? I give Russell Wilson the edge, too, just because he's got more options to throw to. Davis Mills looked really good in his first start um, in this season. Don't discredit that. But Russell Wilson having Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and the tight end that I'm not even going to worth saying because it's too hard of a name for me to say. Really are good options, and then the running game. Um, you know, I really do think that the Texans need to get David Pierce going. I don't know why they're shying away from that. Um, it's definitely something that's a little bit concerning if you're a Texans fan. Rex Burkhead, you know, I believe at the end of preseason was ranked as the number three running back on the roster. Not saying that Rex Burkhead's bad, but he is a little bit older, and you have a fresh young talent in David Pierce. Why are you not getting him involved? If they're able to get him involved, I do think they have a better chance, um, and that's something that. Maybe, again, as time goes on, um, you see a little bit more of an involvement from there. I do think, though, you know, it's hard to play in Denver, the altitude, the elevation. I do believe the Broncos will win this one pretty handily. But I do expect some good play, especially on the offensive side. I think defense is where uh, they're going to lack moving in this one. Moving into the fantasy portion of the podcast, I'm going to go over my two must-starts, two must-sits, two sleepers, two busts before we wrap it up here in today's show. My first must-start is going to be Amari Cooper for the Cleveland Browns. Now, Amari Cooper, a very disappointing week one, only three receptions for 17 yards. And then that's what a lot of people are kind of concerned with with Amari Cooper and basically how reliable is Amari Cooper going to be. Now, obviously he was way more reliable last year against the Cleveland or with the Cleveland Browns. Going against, you know, Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers in week one. I feel like in a way they kind of had his number. Jacoby Brissett really was looking for other options compared to Amari Cooper, and that's probably why one of the reasons why the Browns overall had success or did not have success. Well, they ended up winning, but we're struggling in the passing game first and foremost. You got to get Amari Cooper going. You know, he comes over um, from Dallas. You're expecting more of an impact. Donovan Peoples-Jones really had the big impact there. 
um, even Harrison Bryant too, and really was just shying away from Amari Cooper. Just quick, short out routes. That is something that I think Jacoby Brissett should focus on as far as wanting to have overall success in production because we know what Amari Cooper can do. He was putting up insane numbers um, when he was with Dallas. Coming over to Cleveland, you know, probably was expecting Deshaun Watson to be his quarterback. It isn't the case. It's Jacoby Brissett. Those two need to establish a connection. I do think they're going to in this week. You're also going up against a Jets defense that has been known to struggle more than you know more times than not in the passing game compared to running game. So I do think Nick Chubb's production is going to go down a little bit, which opens the door for more passing opportunities and more outlets of success. And I do think Amari Cooper is going to be a more must start this week. You know, having that first game with Jacoby Brissett and Amari Cooper. Always interesting to see how the chemistry worked. I think as practice went on this week and had more time with that, I think their connection did grow. So I, I would go with Amari Cooper as my first must start. And my second one is going to be A.J. Dillon. Now, there's a big question between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones because I feel like you kind of have to play Russian roulette with this one if you have both on your team. But both going against the Chicago Bears defense, really good defense. That's kind of where I think a lot of people are kind of you know questioning if you know A.J. Dillon's a must start. If you're going to pick between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones this week, I think you're going to go with uh, A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is a good running back. He tends to get more um, receptions compared to Aaron Jones. And on the flip side for that, Aaron Rodgers is really struggling to find a good, reliable option. He's had Randall Cobb for you know however many years now before he got him back. He's looking for other options to throw to, especially against the Vikings. He was throwing more to the running backs. And overall, A.J. Dillon is going to give you more of a red zone kind of capability as far as targets are concerned he's more than likely going to be the player that's going to go into the end zone and get that touchdown and so it's one of those things too that you kind of have to play Russian roulette and see who's going to have success or who you think is going to have success compared to not I think if you had to pick one you definitely got to go um, with you know AJ Dillon but Aaron Jones is not a bad target like I said I think what's scaring a lot of people is the fact that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are going against that uh, Chicago Bears defense, and that's where the area of concern does come into play. My first must-sit is going to be Trey Lance. Now, I want to give Trey Lance credit in the fact that he had a really tough situation to play in, um, playing in Chicago last week where it was pretty, pretty much the mudslide bowl where everyone was just seeming to run the football and fall into water and have fun with that. It was one of those things that was like, really difficult to pass a football and it's really hard to see too when you have a situation like that because especially the guy that's trying to get familiar with the league and trying to you know have some sort of you know success and kind of establish himself to go into chicago and first of all face that defense which like i said is very good and then you have to basically play in mud and not throw the ball rather just run the ball it's one of those things that's a little bit scary. I don't like him this week because he is going against Seattle, and Seattle does have a good defense. The only thing going for Trey Lance, if you were to start him, is Jamal Adams is done for the year, and that was your biggest secondary threat. Running the football is always going to be you know, a big kind of fantasy point booster for Trey Lance, but still, the uh, Seattle Seahawks defense is pretty solid. It showed against Russell Wilson and that Broncos offense. You know, Bron- The Broncos and Russell Wilson have options to throw the ball to. It's not like... Um, they're in a situation where they don't have anybody to throw to. They have people to throw to. How are they going to have success with that, and how are they going to maneuver that is definitely something that's going to be on the eyes of a lot of Seattle, San Francisco 49ers fans. I just think Trey Lance, you know, trying to get familiar with the league, trying to find that option to throw to, running the football, it's just a tough situation and a tough matchup this week, even with the loss of Jam- uh, Jamal Adams. 
Staying in that same game for my first must or my second must sit, it's going to be Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny definitely disappointed a lot of fantasy owners. Only 8.7 points, 12 carries on 60 yards, received the ball two times for seven yards. I think a lot of people were expecting Rashad Penny to kind of burst out and be that number one running back with Chris Carson retiring um, and then having some other running back issues. But in reality, it's definitely something that I think is concerning for a lot of fans, especially if you're a Seahawks fan or a fantasy owner of Rashad Penny. You know, he's going to be that main back. There is going to be some other running backs thrown into the mix. You know that. But his inability to get yards and, and really kind of struggle overall with that Seahawks uh, offensive line is concerning for the long haul. It's concerning for week one. Obviously, he didn't put up good numbers that you were expecting. But it's concerning to see, too, that maybe as time goes on, He's going to continue to have struggles running the football, especially if it's behind that offensive line. Now, I do think it would be a little bit better if you were you know, thinking that he was going to get receptions, but he only got two. So it's kind of one of those double whammy swords. The San Francisco 49ers defense is really good. Bosa brother, Fred Warner, um, in the linebacker position. It's really difficult to run the ball, and if he's not going to get receptions, it's just kind of a lose-lose situation. I expect another low-scoring week. The only way I see Rashad Penny getting more than 10 points this week is if he gets a touchdown or two because I don't think the rushing yards are going to be there and I don't think the receiving yards are going to be there for him as well. My first must sleep or my first sleeper I should say is Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs gets a bad rap and I am comfortable in you know starting Josh Jacobs every week that I have him as far as fantasy is concerned. Again going up against a really good Chargers middle linebacker uh, run defense kind of duo it was really difficult for Josh Jacobs to kind of burst into you know having success and and overall and, and having, you know, kind of where his place in the offense is around and how he's going to run the football behind that offensive line. He's got a really favorable matchup. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals just gave up, what, like 44 points uh, against the Chiefs, not really rushing, but opening up that passing game, especially with having Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs is able to slide through up the middle and run for big carries. Also, too, Josh Jacobs does get a lot of targets as far as rushing in the red zone. The Raiders are a team that would like to run the football, establish that, then throw to Waller, Devontae Adams. So they have that mix there. But for sure, Josh Jacobs, only eight points last week. A little bit concerning, like I said, if you're a fantasy owner of his. And it's kind of one of those things that you want to put in there, but you're not so sure if you feel like you know it would be a good decision. And that's something, too, um, that you should really look at as far as fantasy is concerned. But I do think Josh Jacobs is going to have a really good week. Um, and I expect him to be at least 15, maybe even 17, 18, 19, 20 points and then my second sleeper is going to be Hayden Hurst. Now, I really do like Hayden Hurst. He's really only owned in like 20% of leagues. And I think that's a little bit underwhelming for the type of player that he is. He did get targeted eight times last week, which is definitely undernoted. Also, too, Joe Burrow had one of the worst games of his career through four interceptions. And he was still getting options and targets to throw to. He had five receptions for 46 yards, 9.6 points total. That Dallas defense is good. Their secondary is good, but Joe Burrow is bound to have a really good bounce back week. And that's something that if you're a fan of Hayden Hurst or the Bengals, you really expect them to get targets this week and really it'd be a good matchup to start him. Like I said, I know that the Cowboys have a good defense, especially in the secondary where Hayden Hurst, you know, is developing and all that stuff. But I do think, again, as a period of time goes on, um, it'd be one of those things too that Hayden Hurst can have an impact, tremendous impact moving forward too. My bust, my first bust, I should say, is going to be Robert Woods. Now, Robert Woods, what a disappointing week for him last week. 
one reception on two targets for 13 yards, culminating to 2.3 fantasy points. When he came over from the Rams, I guess people were expecting him maybe to be the next big thing um, in Tennessee. Just because A.J. Brown left, Julio Jones left, and that was really kind of opening the door for a wide receiver like his caliber uh, to step up and, and have success you know, in this week moving forward. But it was a little bit unsettling to see him only get 2.3 fantasy points. And in all honesty, it's just not a really good look. And, you know, it's one of those things that maybe Tannehill and him don't have the good connection that people were expecting him to have. And, again, that's very concerning to see. And um, one of those things that's like you need to have a good wide receiver quarterback connection. Otherwise, you're pretty much a nobody. Because if you don't have a quarterback that wants to throw you the ball, you're not going to get points. You're not going to help your team win. I don't want to jump to the gun just yet and say that Robert Woods is it's panic mode if you're a Robert Woods fantasy owner, but I do think you should sit him for at least a couple of weeks and let this you know week and two play out and see if he's starting to get some more receptions and targets. And also the Titans just lost to the Giants too, so I don't think their first concern is trying to figure out you know how are we going to get Robert Woods involved. Obviously that'd be ideal for them, but it's one of those things too that they got to focus on beating the bad teams too. Otherwise they're just going to be out of luck moving forward. But Robert Woods is definitely somebody that people should maybe keep their eye on as far as um, sitting, at least for this week, maybe even a little bit farther. And then Allen Robinson, kind of a similar boat, one reception for 12 yards. Very disappointing, too. Um, Cooper Cup, we obviously saw, got targeted about 5,000 times. I think that was expected. But Robert Woods, I'm sorry, Allen Robinson filling in for kind of that Robert Woods position was expected to do a little bit more, and he really didn't. And that was very sad to see. He almost had worse – he did have worse production than when he was in Chicago. And in Chicago, he didn't even have a quarterback to throw him the football. Now he's got Matthew Stafford, who's kind of like Joe Burrow in the fact that he had a rough week, um, was throwing interceptions, not really getting good passing yards. Again, it's one of those things that's kind of the same with Robert Woods is in the fact that you really should probably wait a little bit to see kind of where the direction leads with Robert Woods and Allen Robinson. Again, this week, not a – well, actually a decently favorable matchup against the Falcons, but I just don't think Matthew Stafford is going to look to him. He's going to look to Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup. I think Cam Akers is going to get involved in the passing game. Even Tyler Higby, who was getting some targets too. Allen Robinson, I don't think is going to get as low as 2.2 points, but maybe 7 to 8 points, which really is not going to be very valuable, especially as a wide receiver stack up, especially if you're in your PPR league. Or not, because you still um, might get the receptions there too. Thank you guys for listening to my week two fantasy football slash NFL preview. I hope you guys did enjoy. I hope you guys did learn a little bit as we prepare for another week here in the NFL. I feel like this first week compared to the second week absolutely flew by. Um, I feel like this is how it's going to be, you know, the rest of the year. It's going to fly by week in, week out. There's going to be football games. Really excited for another Sunday slate. And I hope you guys are too. If you guys have any other questions regarding your fantasy lineups, that for those of you that know me, feel free to ask me in person, shoot me a DM. Otherwise, you can tweet out at the truth, at the truth as one. Also, follow that Twitter page uh, at the truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding the truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value in it you do not want to miss. Until next time, it is your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessing, signing out. Take care and good night. Peace.